message. We've read through it multiple times. You've read through it multiple times in your life. You have studied it. You've delved into it. You've heard uh, preaching of it over and over throughout the years. But when we think of Moses' life and what Moses is going to accomplish, it's absolutely staggering how much Moses does with what little he has. The Bible calls Moses the meekest man that there was. No, he had, he had authority and power, but some have called meekness power under control. Meekness. It's not weakness. It's power under control. And so God has called Moses from this burning bush. We know how that all went, right? The, he was out watching sheep. The bush is burning. He turned aside to see it. It wasn't abnormal to have a bush burning. It was abnormal to have a bush burning and not consumed. So he goes, I, I, no, no, this is a lot of recap. I know this. We know this. And he goes over there and God speaks to him and says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. He takes his shoes off and God begins to speak to him audibly. And he tells, that Moses, he tells Moses he was going to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And God surprises Moses with some great news, right? Right? They've run the tallies. Moses, you're it. Yay! You are, you are my choice to lead these people out of Egypt. And, and of course, Moses is dreadfully surprised by the news. And he spends a good amount of time, as you recall, arguing with God why he is the worst choice for the job. And... Uh, if you have ever attempted anything for the Lord, you'll know exactly what Moses is doing. It makes total sense. You say, I don't know about this. Are you sure about this? Are you, are you sure you got the right number? What does Moses say? He says, I'm not eloquent. I'm not, a good, I'm not a good speaker. I have a speech impediment is what he has. He was slow of tongue, the Bible says. He, he failed the first time. We saw this in Sunday school a m- month or so ago. Really, he failed the first time he tried to deliver Israel when he murdered that Egyptian and he left Israel or left Egypt without ever delivering his people like he wanted to. So here God comes and calls him back for the second time. He's a runaway. He's a sheep herder. Uh, the sheep aren't even mine. The land isn't even mine. What I have is, I mean, I, I'm just a nobody on the backside of a desert. You've got the wrong person. And at every point that Moses protests, God answers Moses with himself. Notice, watch this, God, God did not make Moses better. God's intention was to fill in the inadequacies of what Moses thought he had with himself. And that's good news for you and I tonight. That's good news for you at whatever stage of life you're in tonight. Don't worry about the inadequacies. Don't focus on what you think you don't have. Just remember who it is who's calling you to do what he wants you to do. And friend, he'll take care of the rest. God said, tell you what, I'm going to give you Aaron, your brother. I'll do the miracles and I will give you the words to say, don't worry about it. Just do what I want you to do. And so while Moses was continuing to try to convince God that he made a big mistake. We pick up in chapter 4, and Moses brings up a great insecurity. And it's a very logical one. And, and, and in most cases, it's, it's, uh, it's probably a, a right thing to question. And look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Moses answered and said, But, but, behold, they will not believe me. Isn't that the struggle we have? God's putting something on your heart and you're going, they aren't going to believe this. <laughs> Me? You know, uh, I just want to tell the family, God's doing this. And they go, <laughs> what? No. 
Certainly not. Oh, that's funny. No, Bo said, they're not going to believe me. I don't know. I'm enjoying this because maybe I've lived there. But it's like they're, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to take you seriously. And it's, that's a real hard thing to get over when you're trying to convince people to follow your crazy plan. Right? It's, 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 that's a big hurdle. But I want to show you tonight how God works us out. We've seen this before. I want to see this again. In verses 1 through 9, God is going to work some miracles to convince Moses that uh, this is authentic and you're going to take this back to the people that will not believe you and so that they will believe you. No, listen, God wants Israel to believe Moses because if they don't believe Moses, they're not believing God. If they're not believing Moses and God, they're not coming out of Egypt like God intends and that he has promised Abraham to bring him to a land that he's promised them. So he gives them some miracles to bring them back. And in verses 2 through 4, I don't have to go over these with you. We all know these. He gives them the miracle of the rod. Remember, he says, throw down your that staff, throw it down. It becomes a snake. He goes, ah! he runs, right? I just did that the other day, actually. I didn't really scream like a girl i didn't i'm telling you i did not but i was very concerned because i moved this this uh what is it about snakes right i i used to like them when i was a kid until i got bit by the one i was trying to catch and then i didn't like them anymore and uh i'm pulling back this tarp and i have a because the house looks like a ghetto i mean it looks bad right now i should have said that because of just the construction stage i've still got junk everywhere and i have this tarp that's sitting there with a couple two-by-fours on it, rough hewn, these oak two-by-fours that are laying there. And I'm moving the two-by-fours to get the tarp out of there to use it. And I look down, and there's this most beautiful shades of brown coiled up there along that two-by-four. And if I tell you this, you'll know what it is. He didn't care. He just sat there. I moved the board, and he just, he just he was happy. You know what snake does that? Stinking nasty copperhead. That's what it did. I mean, he was beautiful. Oh, he's pretty. Those brown, I mean, he was beautiful. And I, I was reaching down. And I went, oh, that's it. <laughs> that's interesting. You know, you know what I did? I went and got a shovel. And then I was such a chicken. You know what I did? I didn't even take the shovel. I got my SIG 365 out and just blasted the thing off the planet. I didn't even want to get, I didn't even get near to this thing. I just boom, shot the thing. And then I pulled him out and then hacked his head off after I shot it. So I wanted to make it. Now think about this, man. God says, go ahead and throw. It's like he doesn't warn Moses. He doesn't warn him. Tell you what I'm going to do, right? I mean, you know what you have out in the desert? Out there you have asps and adders and all of these really, really poisonous, nasty snakes. And he throws the rod down. Of course, here's a snake says, and he takes off screaming. And then, then, then God goes, go grab it by the tail. I mean, come on. The Lord has the best sense of humor. I'm telling you. He has a great... <laughs> Brother Jack says, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. Moses, go grab the thing by the... And he does. He does. He grabs it. Boom, it's rotted. We know how it is. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty incredible. And then he goes, go ahead and stick your hand in your, in your, in, inside your, your, your clothing there. And what happens? It comes out and it's leprosy. Well, like, wow, this is nice. Thanks. Can we do something else? Well, it's like, well, you screamed at the snake. I thought I'd give you one a little less drastic. So his hand is white. I mean, it, it, this is, this is uh, a leprosy. It is in full-fledged. It's in full bore, right? And it's leprosy. And then verses 8 and 9, it's the miracle of the river into, the, into blood. Now, I want you to think about this. What is the common thread to all of these miracles? Well, for one thing, a piece of wood can never become a snake. And a snake can never become a piece of wood. It's, it's impossible. 
Right. I don't care. You know what? And the snake gets so dead, it's like wood. It eventually just disintegrates. But it definitely doesn't do it immediately. The human hand can't, cannot spontaneously have leprosy. The human body cannot spontaneously have leprosy. Sometimes, most of the times, it takes three to five years for once that leprosy starts in the body to be showing any signs. Sometimes it can lay dormant in the body for up to 20 years before it starts showing signs. So it's impossible to have spontaneous leprosy. In Moses' day, you know, leprosy wasn't even curable. It wasn't curable. Yeah. So watch, to get it and then not have it, that's pretty cool. It absolutely is. But think about this, water can never become blood. And blood can never become water. These are all impossibilities. Even to this day, we cannot make blood in a laboratory. You realize this, if you have... You know, this I don't totally get. I just sometimes I read things, I go, that's crazy. That's cool, and I write it down. But beyond that, I don't understand it. But let me tell you some things about blood. Blood cells have no nucleus, therefore they have no chromosome. Therefore, they cannot be cloned. You can't make blood. Could you imagine if they could figure out how to make blood? Right? You, you would, you'd cure AIDS patients. You'd cure cancer. You, you know, you just do, tra- you know, and they do, they do transfusions. But even though those transfusions eventually become tainted with the blood that's in the body that you cannot get out. So what am I saying? All of these miracles have no way of being reproduced by man. And even to this day, with all of our technology and all of the wizards of smart that we have across the world, none of these can be accomplished. They were works of God. Moses was convinced. Yeah, he was convinced. Why was God doing this? Well, it was for Moses, number one, a little bit. But more than that, it's going to be for the children of Israel when he goes and sees them. They are going to have to be convinced. Now, Moses had the burning bush and this voice speaking directly to him. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good sign. But when Moses goes back to Egypt, he's going to be the one through Aaron saying, God has chosen me to deliver you. We're going to all leave, all a million and a half of us from this from this nation that we are enslaved, enslaved to. Follow me, guys. Follow me. You know, it's like, uh, I got work to do. I think I'm going to find some. I'm really busy. Thanks, man. You know, it's like the guy with the sandwich board signs and the hair all over the place. You know, it's like the end is coming. And it's like, okay, I got things to do. You know, you walk a big circle around them and things like that. No, God was giving Israel something to grab onto, some evidence that what Moses was saying was of God. It was for Israel so that they will believe Moses and that in believing Moses, they're believing God. And so not only did God give Moses these miracles, but in verses 10 through 17, God is now going to provide for Moses' own inadequacies. God is going to provide for Moses and the inadequacies that he has personally. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O o, o my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither uh, heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And look what God says to him. Uh, Moses, right, who made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seen, or the blind? 
Have not I the Lord? We had this discussion, Brother Davidson and I had this discussion about when, uh, two, uh, uh, when two DNAs come together at the very moment of conception, there are three DNAs present in a woman's body, three separate DNAs. It's fascinating. So what, what determines from each DNA of the mother or the father what the child gets, which, which, what they're going to glean from each one? Is it random chance or does God, within what he has given, pick and choose? Well, here it says... You know, God says, have I, not made, have I not made them? Do I not make the mouth? Have I not made the dumb or the deaf or the seen or the blind? Have I not, I, the Lord, done this? Right? So God, God, is, God makes, God deter, allows and God determines some of these things that come around. And God is reminding Moses, listen, if I made them, right? If I made them, I think I can work with them. I think God is big enough to work with whatever ailment, with whatever uh, handicap, with whatever thing you think you have that is not enough for God to use. I think God is big enough to use whatever we came with. You say, well, I'm not smart enough. I'm not bright enough. I don't talk well enough. I haven't read enough. I don't have the education that's enough. I, it's always we never have enough. But listen, friend, if when, once you realize that God is enough, you'll become less concerned whether you're enough. Because he'll, listen, friend, he'll do much more than we ever could. Amen? Absolutely. It's an encouragement to Moses. It's an encouragement to Moses, to his insecurity. But God is also establishing his ability in our inability. If he's big enough to make the deaf, he's big enough to use the deaf. If he's big enough to make the blind, he's big enough to use the blind. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. God is big enough. We think of the hymns of Fanny Crosby. What God used. She said, I shall see him face to face. Face to face in all his glory. She said, she said one of the most exciting things of my life is the first time I will see is I'll see him. Wow. The first thing I will see is him. Wow, that would a neat... What a neat thought. We have all enjoyed and gleaned off the, the ministry and the preaching of Brother Charles Elliott when he's been here. And boy, I tell you, what a, what a wonderful vessel God has used there in his blindness and things that, uh, his, his ailments. See, God says, I'm going to provide you the words to say. Don't worry about your mouth, Moses, verse 12. I, listen, now therefore go and I, will be, and, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say and then verses 13 through 16 god is going to provide a translator god says i'll provide the words and then i'm going to provide a translator i love the reality of this conversation between god and 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 moses i mean this is as real as it gets i mean moses is just you know uh, just going back and forth, I mean, struggling with this thing that God wants him uh, to do. And, and his, his unbelief is actually getting God, making God a little irritated here, right? Look at 13 and 14, and he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron thy Levite a brother, thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. So God gave him Aaron, 
And God says, Moses, I will speak to you and you speak to Aaron and Aaron will speak to Israel and Aaron will speak to Pharaoh. Our grandson, Truett, is going to turn six here in June. And just maybe just even a year ago, I couldn't understand a word that kid said. Maybe a couple years ago. He would say, and he's just jabbering away. And I'm like, huh? And I would turn to his brother Silas and go, what did he say? And he'd go, oh, he said, and he would translate because he lived with me. He knew what he was saying, right? So, so, so can you see this Pharaoh or Moses stuttering to Pharaoh? You know, God, 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 what, what, what you? And Pharaoh looks at Aaron and goes, huh? He's saying, let my people go. God says, we're going to leave. Oh, okay. Okay, I don't know if it happened like that. But listen, God, listen, God gave him Aaron. And God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the words. You're going to give them to your brother. Your brother's going to give them out to Pharaoh and give them out to Israel. God has worked miracles. God has provided for Moses inadequacies. And fine, look at this. Not finally. I've got like 20 more points. I shouldn't have said that. Moses now, he's got to go and drop the bomb. He's got to go home and drop the big news now. You see this? He, he's finally, listen, he's going. God has removed every, every argument he has had. He has removed every obstacle that, that Moses has put up in the way. God has removed all of those. And the only thing he has left now to do is to say yes, which obviously has. And now he's going to go home. And now he's got to drop the news. Yeah. So he comes back and Jethro is like, So, hey, how are the sheep doing today, Moses? Doing great. Where were you? Oh, over on the backside. Oh. Anything exciting happen over there? Nah. Burning bush. Oh, cool. Yeah. Except it didn't burn up. Oh, really? What ha- That's weird. What happened? Well, God. God spoke to me, and I was speaking to the bush, and the bush was speaking to me. What did you say? I know it's really hot out today, right? Did you have your covering off your head? I mean, did you get sunburnt? What did you say? Well, the bush was talking to me, and I was, I was talking to the bush. Boy, sometimes it's really hard to explain to our family and those that are not, that are not saved what God does in our life, isn't it? You ever, you ever say something, and they, somebody just, to you it's as normal as can be. Well, it's like, well, the Lord told me this, and they're all going, huh? How does that work? How many remember John Bishop? He pastored down in Arkansas, Rosebud, Arkansas, I believe it was. And he got so sick, deathly sick, with, with viral meningitis. He was in a coma for a long time. When he came out of his coma, he knew nothing. He knew nothing. He lost all of his memory. He had to redo absolutely everything. He didn't know who his wife was. He didn't know who his children was. He knew nothing. And throughout this term that he was relearning everything, it was a horrible horrible time of his life and he never really got over the 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 violent headaches and all of the things that came with this as he got some of his memory back but during that time there was a staff psychologist that would that was that was put into his room to deal with him and for some reason the staff psychologist was a little concerned and he says he says sir do you you ever hear voices he says well yes (laughs) oh boy you know here they go and they thought he was hearing voices and uh he, they, he, said, he said at one time, thankfully, there was another uh, doctor on staff who's a Christian. He said, oh, hold on a minute. Let me go talk to him. He understood what he was saying. He said, well, yeah, the Lord speaks to me. But boy, this, do you hear voices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he would say, I, I hear voices. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah. He talked like a, he couldn't, he couldn't do his linking verb. He, he just couldn't, he talked like he was about five. Yeah. Sometimes the world doesn't get us. Sometimes the world doesn't understand us. Look at verse 18. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return to my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And that was a wonderful thing. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. Telling family can be some of the most difficult things. It's not just Jethro, his father-in-law. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be his wife. It's going to be his sons. You know, on the way, uh, when, uh, on the way down there, right, when the angel stops and, and, boy, the events there at the end and the, the circumcision of the sons, it's just such a strange, strange occurrence that's going on there and how difficult that must have been uh, for his wife. And, and uh, no, what I'm saying is whenever we say yes to God, it affects all those around us. When he said yes to God, really he's saying no to his father-in-law. This is what the world has a problem with. This is what your family has problems with. Right? When you say yes to God, you're saying no to somebody else. He, he was saying no to watching the sheep. He was saying no to carrying on the family farm or the family, whatever they would have called that sheepfold thing. They would have said no to that, right? He was saying no to whatever deals they may have had. By saying yes to God, he was saying no to those that are around them. And we do this all through our life, don't we? Right? We say yes to church and sometimes we say no to family. We say yes to tithing and sometimes we say no to other things that, uh, you know, uh, other things that we might think we need. We say yes to God in this and we end up saying no to somebody else over in here. When Moses was saying yes to God, he was also saying no to his wife. He was saying no to security, no to her living with her husband. But that inter- I mean, this, what an interesting time that was. When, he was, when, when Moses was saying yes to God, he was saying no to his sons. Yeah. The Bible doesn't really say how much. I know that Moses eventually drops them off and leaves them and goes on without them. Drops them off at her father's house and goes on. We don't know if they ever joined up again. I may have missed that somewhere. But no, what, listen, he was saying yes to God and he was saying no to those around them. It's not easy. Many times the call of God's life on somebody isn't easy. But if it was easy, it wouldn't be by faith. And if it was easy and it didn't require faith, we wouldn't have rewards. <laughs> yeah. The biggest difficulty isn't usually with the one called, but the ones around them who didn't ask for their plans to be changed. It happens. Chambers said, Obedience to the call of Christ has nearly, nearly always cost everything to two people. The one who is called and the one who loves that one. Yeah. It's a load. Those who have been pastors or are pastors, you know it's a load. Not just on you, but on your wife, on your children. It, it's, a, it's a burden that you do again, that it's a burden. God has worked these miracles. He's provided for Moses' inadequacies. Moses has told his family. And now God's going to call Aaron in verse 27. 
The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness, meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. So here they are at Sinai, but he'll be back to Sinai. It'll be a different one, a different occurrence. Not meeting Aaron. He meets Aaron this time, but he's going to come back the next time, and God's going to meet him there. We're going to get the Ten Commandments. But he met him there. He met his brother there. And then he works the miracles of God. Now I want you to listen to verses 29 through 31. Listen to this. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together the elders of the children of Israel. They haven't been to Pharaoh yet. They're convincing the ones who need to leave. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. Would you look back up at verse 1? What was Moses' concern? He said, they will not believe. They will not believe me, God. They won't believe me. God says, Moses, just settle down. Let me take this, and I'll, I'll take care of it, okay? You, hey, you, just do, you just do what I say, and I'll take care of the rest. And when he did, when he did what God said, look at this, the people believed. They believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their afflictions, look what else came about. They believed and then it caused them to worship. They bowed their head and they worshiped. Wow. The deliverer, a deliverer has come. It's beautiful. What we have here tonight in our text is what God accomplishes accomplishes through a life that has been emptied unto him. You know what Moses was? It's a vessel. It's just a vessel. Just a, let me use this word, a conduit for the power of God. That's all he was. He didn't need to make more, Moses more usable. He needed to make Moses more fillable. I can't get past the fact that God didn't choose Moses to make him great. God chose Moses because there is nothing in Moses to draw people to himself. And the beauty of Moses was he didn't want people to be drawn to him anyway. He didn't want the limelight. He didn't want to be in the middle of it all. He wanted to just watch some sheep on the backside of the desert and be left alone. Right? I love that. The calling was of God. The miracles were of God. The provisions were from God. You know what it means? God isn't looking for the individual with the right combination of personality and looks and wealth and beautiful teeth when they smile, right? He's not looking for that to accomplish His will. We look at that we like, oh, wow, yeah, they got it all. You have somebody come around. I'm telling you what, this used to really uh, concern me. Somebody comes around, they, they're, they're going to mission field, they're going here, they're going here, they, there. They have all of these abilities, all these talents. They look good. The family's perfect. I mean, the 23 kids are in a row and they're perfect. I mean, it's just everything's right. And, and people are oh, well, bless God. They are going somewhere. God's using them. And, and I'm telling you, my heart, I go, oh, boy. You need to pray for them. 
Because that's not really what God looks for. I'm not saying it's not there in them. I'm not saying that at all. But we look at the wrong things sometimes. I think we've heard that somewhere, right? Remember when Samuel was looking for a king? How'd that go? Man looks on the inward, outward, but God looks on the heart. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know what God is looking for? God is looking for somebody who will just simply be a conduit to allow him to do what he wants. And you know what, by and large, we find out what God wants to do through us isn't even what we've ever planned that he would do through us. Oh, no, sometimes as a believer, we would, oh, God, use us. I'm, I'm just, I mean, we're so, we're so enraptured with what God has done in our life. We say, God, I'm available for anything. And then when he comes along, you go, oh, that? I didn't think it was that. I was thinking of this, right? I wanted this. And he says, no, I'll do this. When I think of conduit, there's different types of conduit. There's aluminum, there's plastic, there's steel, clay, the old clay. Um, I guess you'd call it more of a pipe underground, but there's different types of conduit. The neat thing about conduit is it doesn't make itself. I mean, there's not, you know, conduit animals out there that are just, you know, you know, just conduits just growing out of the trees. And, oh, that's a conduit tree. That's an aluminum conduit tree. Look at that. Piece of kind, and you just cut it off. Yeah. Another piece of plastic conduit, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain's weird. It doesn't make itself, okay? It just doesn't. It doesn't make itself. Somebody had to make it, make, make it and it was made for a purpose. It was made for a reason. It was made for a purpose. The right conduit is chosen for the proper application. You're not going to put, uh, you know, um, you know, two aught copper wire in uh, in plastic con in a, you know the same plastic conduit that you see your little 12 volt wires in a car going through. You're not going to do that. You have no protection. It won't work. It just burn it up probably. It has a, it, it is made for a purpose. That is a right application. It's it's chosen for that thing and the only thing that conduit must do is stay empty of other things how many have tried to run wire oh brother neil just helped me the other day didn't we run some wire oh man was that a nightmare yeah you know what really really hinders pushing a bunch of wire through a conduit mud (laughs) dirt rocks junk So what's the goal of the conduit? Just stay empty. If the conduit stays empty and it's big enough for the wire, it's not that big of a deal. Notice this also about conduit. The majority of conduit spends its usefulness hidden. Hidden in a wall. Hidden under the frame rail of a car. Hidden in a ceiling. right? Hidden in walls and things like that. Underground. Hidden, unseen. You catching this? You seeing what God uses? And the glory of conduit is what's flowing through it. You don't usually look at conduit and go, whoa, that galvanized metal conduit. Wow, that's beautiful. Oh, wow, that's got to have been a fortune. 
The glory of conduit is the electricity flowing through it. When the lights turn on and the hair dryer works and the water heater heats the water, yeah, it's like, yeah, I like that. All unseen. You don't see the, con- oh no, you'll see the, you'll see the effect of, the electri- of what's flowing through it with the lights. and you know, You'll see the effect of that, but you don't really see the conduit. You know what, saints? When we realize that we are conduits for the work and the power of God, people don't need to believe us, per se. God will work through us in such a way that they'll believe Him. And then they'll believe us. What am I saying to this tonight? Well, God is calling people with a little ability, maybe, to achieve great things for Him. Do you think moving a million and a half people through a desert is a pretty big thing? <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Watch, He doesn't necessarily just need to make us better. I'm not talking about being, being conformed to the image of Christ and Him making us Christ-like and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about who we are and, and some of our abilities. Oh, I know. I mean, uh, Timothy was told to stir up the gift that was in him. I understand we better ourselves in many different ways, but, but God doesn't necessarily have to make us better. We just need to stay empty. Allow Him to do what He wants to. Can I tell you what else? This is a great news for you. This is great news for a church that's moving forward to a land they haven't occupied before. We don't have a high-powered leadership team, that's for sure. We don't have huge bank accounts. Sorry, you don't have a pastor that's done this before. What a blessing it was when Brother Fisher preached that one Wednesday night, been through three building, building programs. I thought, wow, that'd be nice. I hope I'm dead after this one. <laughs> I won't have to go through. I mean, way after, you know. Okay. No, listen, we don't have all that. We don't have all that. See, you might not think you have anything to offer God tonight. You might not think you do. Let me ask you this. If you don't think you have anything to offer in all of this, whether what God is calling you to, what God is working in your life for, and, and the moving of this church and the moving forward of this church, if you don't think you have anything to offer, could you at least do this tonight? Could you at least tell God, I tell you what, I'll be a good conduit, whatever you want. I'll just, I'll just do, do my best to be the best conduit I can be. And then let Him do the rest. And that's simple. It really is. It really is. I'm available. I'm available. I may never be seen. I may never be seen. You might say, all I want is God glorified. That's all I want. You know what that is? That's good conduit. That's good conduit. See, if we as a church would just keep ourselves empty, God will work through us. God will do the work. Can I remind you of Second Chronicles 6, 9? Remember Asa? Asa, when... Uh, 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 Israel had come uh, to, into Judah to, to war against Asa. Asa went and called Syria after God had already showed himself so mighty all over the place in his life. And Mo, Mo, uh, Asa had a heart for God, but boy, he really messed up here. And he went and called Syria to come and help him. And, uh, and uh, the prophet came and said, shouldn't have done that. God would have delivered you. Got mad, threw him in jail. 
Another one came along in verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord search to and fro for throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Did you catch that? God spends time searching the world. Let me say it this way. Looking for a conduit that he could use. Just a conduit. Well, I mean... Does it really matter if you're a conduit, right? In the in in the bottom of a. Well, this might matter. Why did this come to my mind? In the underneath the frame rail of a Ford Pinto or the conduit in the wall of, of a of a building or a house. I mean, does it really matter where the conduit is? It's still watch. It's still doing what it was created to do. Right? We're created to glorify God. If you'd just be an empty conduit. An empty conduit. You know, God would do great things. He wants to. He wants to. Do you hear that? This is what God is doing. His eyes are running to and fro throughout all of the earth for somebody to show himself mighty through. So the question tonight as we move forward as a church, as you move forward in your life, right, would you just kind of settle tonight just to be the best, emptiest piece of conduit for God you could ever be. And do this with all, with all of your heart. Tell God, whatever needs to be emptied out of this piece of conduit, go ahead and show me that. We'll make sure that we want to get that cleaned out because we don't want to shut the power off, right? It's no good having the power shut off. And wherever you want to put me, whatever wall you want to put me in, whatever ceiling you want to put me in, whatever underground you want to put me in, whatever vehicle, hey, wherever you want this piece of conduit, that's fine. Because wherever I am, the great thing about it is the power is going through. That's the great thing, right? The power is the cool thing, not the conduit. How many would say tonight, I'm available? God, I don't know what it is. Somebody may never see it. But I want to be an available conduit for you. This is what Moses was. And my goodness, what did God do? We're going to need this as we move forward, folks. We just need to be a bunch of no-name, nothing, quiet pieces of conduit shoved away where nobody sees us. You know what Nixa will do? You know what the world will do? They'll go, wow. How did you get that property on that highway? God. How would you do that? God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our Father, thank you. I love, I, I, I'm always amazed at how simple it really is. We make things so complicated. We really do. Lord, would you help us to empty ourselves? Help us to empty ourselves. And God, that you would, your power would just go through us and you'd put us where you want us. You'd do through us what you want to do. Regardless of our stage at life, regardless of our age, regardless of our abilities, regardless of our inabilities, you still have somewhere to place each piece of conduit that your power would come through. We thank you for what you're going to do through us. Thank you for what you're going to do through those. We just decide tonight, we put a stake in the ground tonight and make that, make that, make that, uh, that declaration to you tonight, 
that I'm available. I'll be that conduit. You'll help me clean it out, and I'll be available. Would you do that work tonight in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand tonight. The instrument's going to play the invitation. You know what to do. However the Lord has spoken to you, you respond to him. Are you available? Are you empty? The world wants people that are full, 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 full. God wants people that are empty so that he can fill them. Hmm. It's good news, folks. That is great news. Well, have a great rest of your week. Happy Mother's Day again. If for some reason, I think everybody in here got a uh, little baggie with all that, whatever that was. I told the grandsons it was crushed up bees and bee vomit that uh, they make into all these things. And I forget which one said, I don't think I want that on my face. <laughs> Good. <laughs> which? Yeah. Anyway.